Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. With me, as always, is the inventor of the infomercial and the original shark on Shark Tank, our co-host, Kevin Harrington. Kevin, thanks so much for being here today. Hey, thanks, Seth. Great to be here. It's a sunny day in Florida right now. We're looking good. Awesome. Always a pleasure to have you today. Our very special guest is Jeff Barrett, the CEO of Status Creative. Forbes magazine ranks him one of the top 40 social media power influencers in the world. He is also a Washington Times communities columnist, along with a lengthy list of other kudos to his credit. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, happy to be here. Our pleasure. So how does one get to be named a Forbes top 40 social media power influencer? That's a very good question. I think, um, so I, I work in PR and I decided if you're going to work in PR, instead of trying to constantly get on the phone and email people, you might want to create a little bit of leverage, right? So I use social media, um, unlike most people who use it and use that term guru or something, I, I use it more so to create leverage and create opportunities for promotion so that I can get more PR clients work, to be honest. Um, so it kind of just spilled over from there and there and then there's a lot of practice in it and yeah if um you know there's a few brands that i work with like adobe or amway or others to kind of uh, work on their social strategy just because it kind of happened into it but the idea has always been to work in pr so jeff what what are the platforms that you know that you focused on in the beginning because you know things change day to day week to week <laughs> right now, yeah. recently facebook is kind of doing some snapchat stuff and so you know it's like it's a it's a crazy world and, and that's the world we live in, but where did you start and how have you seen this, the evolution? Well, to be honest, I started on Friendster and MySpace and neither of those are around anymore. So okay. these, kind of, <laughs> these things tend to change a lot, right? Yes. Um, and you, can't, you kind of adapt. And it's interesting, the, the same people usually tend to become influencers on every platform. Um, so if you look at the landscape right now, yeah, Facebook's doing a good job with both their own kind of live video and also with uh, utilizing Instagram to create stories. Um, you know, Snapchat's in an interesting space because Snapchat, now that it's got the IPO, now they have to make money. And so they're in that phase, the same thing that uh, happened to Twitter. Once you have to start making money, you have to start kind of changing what you do. Um, Snapchat's really beneficial. Uh, I work with a lot of influencers that use it really well. But in the next year, they're going to have to come up with analytics because to give you a good example, I was at Adobe Summit last week and they asked me to only use my Twitter, not use my Snapchat, not use anything else because they wanted the analytics from the Twitter. So that, that makes it kind of interesting to me. I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of new platforms pop up because you've got an economy of scale when it comes to social media, just like you would with a Walmart. I mean, you're not going to go in and create a brand new network. We saw what happened with Google+. Plus. You just can't break in there. But you can see little things, especially with live video, that uh, may pop up in the next couple of years. That's where you, you want to basically do one really small thing really well if you want to break into that game. 
Now you mentioned, did you say Amway, the, the, the direct selling company? Yeah. So they, I mean, Amway has been around. I mean, I remember them 40 years ago when I first got approached to be in Amway. So I know they, yeah. they, 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 they date way back. And one of the DeVosses, one of the founders wives, I guess is now one of Trump's, uh, I think she's running department of education. Yep, so they obviously, uh, it, it's, it's been a huge success, but Tell me, how do you keep a company like Amway relevant? Somebody, some a company that's been around for so long, and 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 all of that. But what's what what's the strategy in working with a company like Amway? Well, they do a really good job doing it themselves. I mean, I think that's a ten billion dollar company, and they've done a good job of going globally with everything. I think they're in an interesting space now, where the idea of a model that is uh, in home. Uh, and person to person has now evolved into exactly what we're doing right now. Webcam to webcam, you know, phone to phone, voice to voice, uh, leveraging those social networks and leveraging social selling. So I think um, finding a, you know, FTC compliant uh, way of, you know, uh, being able to leverage what people are already doing on social media and turn that into the business. To be honest, that, that business is the original social business. And, yes. and, you know, so it, it, it makes sense beyond any other client I've ever had. That makes the most sense of trying to take that business and turn it, you know, turn it toward uh, platforms like WeChat in China or other international platforms. Now, the tricky part is, I mean, anytime you're dealing in, you know, 60, 80, 100 countries, there are little tiny nuances. I'm writing a piece right now for Inc. about even the nuances of uh, taking a company to the UK or Ireland. Um, so you have to kind of understand those nuances work with other people to, um, you know, create user generated content, um, and allow them to kind of, um, I think the challenge there is, um, as a company, you want to have as much control as possible, but you also understand that you kind of need to let go of some of that to allow these other independent business owners to, to, to thrive. Since we're talking about, uh, Amway and the network marketing space, Facebook Live obviously has been a huge boost to <laughs> yeah. some of the NLM, like for example, Lula Row, which I don't know if you're familiar with, but I mean, they're doing all their home parties now. There are so many that mm -hmm. take place via Facebook Live. My wife is watching one every other day. She's in like yeah. 30 different groups and she's always watching them demonstrate the clothes. Why do you think that other network marketing companies haven't caught on to that or taken advantage of it the same way? I think, you know, it's hard to, especially if you're a big company, it's hard to shift model, right? I mean, that, I mean, it's the difference between having a speedboat and having a yacht, right? Now, the, the idea, I, I like it that, so if you look at Instagrammers, right, there are a lot of Instagrammers with good enough followings that if you turned them into network marketers, right, um, but it's kind of a different process. I, I look at the stats of Instagrammers that have, you know, maybe 500,000 followers and start doing, um, you know, beauty product selling. And we've seen multiple Instagrammers make over 5 million a year just selling beauty products. And you start to understand that essentially all this boils down to marketing, advertising, everything. You're trying to get down to that third party recommendation. You're trying to get to a friend telling another friend they should probably buy that because that's still the best thing ever. If you advertise on TV, you're still just trying to, you know, get friends to try and recommend things to other friends. Um, statistically, 84% of millennials will buy from a social influencer before they'll buy from a quote unquote celebrity trying to endorse a product. So I think all the stats are there um, beyond just the, the obvious that would, you know, make a company want to do that. And to answer the question why I don't think they've done it yet, um, I don't think they've, you know, fully come through um, I think there's a, there's a 
there is analytics that they don't possibly, you know, have or understand. They're dealing, you know, in a space where they've always done things with a $5 CPM and they're trying to kind of uh, change model and they maybe know, maybe they haven't seen the results, but I, I work in the space. I work with a lot of influencers and I see, I see the space. There's a, there's a company I work with called Sunfrog and they went from 1 million to a hundred million in sales in two years. And it's all just because of 80,000 affiliates. Wow. A really amazing model. So I have a question. I, I speak to a lot of entrepreneurial groups and, and organizations, trade shows, annual conferences, yeah. um, you know, the carpet cleaning conference, the houseware <laughs> conference. The, yesterday I was in San Antonio at the, the, the annual um, CUNA, it's a, the Credit Union National Association. Sure. Conference, you know, and so I'm, so I'm talking to these, a lot of these are entrepreneurs that are running businesses, running credit unions, running carpet cleaning franchises. And many of them are not sophisticated in the world of social media. So they, they say, what, where do, what should I do to start? Or, and it's, you know, they're, they're, they're on Facebook and, you know, say how many are using Facebook? Oh yeah, I use Facebook, but, uh, or LinkedIn or whatever. But how, what is your recommendation for sort of an entry level or base level kind of situation for an entrepreneur that's not sophisticated to kind of, get, you know, get to the beginning phases of a, of a, of a program and a marketing plan to use social media for their business. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people just, they sit on social media or they feel like they have to be on it. Right. So you have, uh, there's a few things. One, um, we tend to, especially in a smaller organization, right. The, some the ones you're talking about, like, you know, uh, you tend to put, uh, the intern on that. You tend to put, uh, the small level employee. The interesting thing about social media is, uh, and I always make this point when I'm talking to clients is, do you want the person who's 23 years old, um, fresh out of college, has no contacts and doesn't know a lot of people to be running your social media? Or do you want somebody like myself to be running that social media? Now, I'm not going to be in the office for 40 hours a week. I'll probably be working on it for five hours and I won't be making Game of Thrones references at the water cooler, but you're going to get the same amount of effort, right? Um, it's not about just posting for the sake of posting. It's trying to come up with a way that you can get to a million followers, right? So if you have a hundred people that are following your Facebook page, chances are, I don't care how good your content is. And people always try and say, you have to have content. Yeah, absolutely. You have to have content, but if your content isn't being seen by anybody, it's not going to be effective. So they, they kind of work hand in hand, right? You have to have content and you have to have the audience. And if right. you don't have a million followers and you start with a hundred, you're not going to get to a million followers in a matter of months or years. It's going to take some time. So what you do is you connect with four people who have 250,000 people or whatever math you want to do. And now you have the right amount of people to broadcast things out. What you need to do, and I, I do this with Cision, Adobe, Simply Measured, other places, is you create an influencer network of okay. 20, 30, 40 people who are bought in. There's some kind of you know, give and take. You're not, even, you're not even trading money away. You're just giving them exposure for this or validation in their career or whatever the case may be. But you work um, toward creating a group that's willing to go share your content out. And if they share your content out, then you have something. And that's... Yeah. That's, you have to have an audience first and then worry about creating good content. Um, but you know, there's a lot more people that are good at creating content than there are at creating an audience. Right. So, so, so I think the, the focus on getting some key, um, uh, you know, kind of affiliates or, or, or whatever you want to call them, but people that are going to yeah. 
you know, spread your message, um, um, evangelists for you um, kind of thing, right? Is there a way to incentivize those kind of people? Yeah, and it doesn't always have to be monetary, right? Um, I mean, take, for example, I write for Inc. I don't get paid for writing for Inc., but I get paid in the opportunity to have my message and my thoughts and my ideas get to other people, right? So right. that's why that's why I've always written, um, you know, and you guys mentioned Washington Times, which I'm not at anymore, but Washington Times was an opportunity to interview really cool people, kind of like what we're doing right now, and, you know, um, find commonality, find common ground. A lot of the people that I wound up interviewing, like Gary Vaynerchuk, um, Charlene Lee, uh, Amy Jo Martin, these people five or six years ago are people I work with now um, who I find really valuable. And, you know, you kind of develop that relationship. So, you know, with influencers, it's not just monetary, right? It's, can you help me build my career? I, I mean, I candidly have said to a lot of organizations, I don't really need five as a social influencer, I don't need you to pay me like 500 bucks or 5,000 bucks for this. I'd rather you kind of, you help me get one client. That's probably $250,000 right there. So that's a much better um, objective on my part. And I think that's what you need to do. You just need to find, it's the same thing I do in PR. You find people's motivation, you find what they're needing to do. And that's why in PR, I'm way more successful um, as a small mid-level agency because of the social media accounts I have. What allows me to do is it allows me to say, you know, um, I, I'll know somebody at Good Morning America and I want to get something on Good Morning America and the client, you know, normally wouldn't have a chance uh, in hell of getting on there. But what I do is I just say, hey, here's, here's where I think it makes sense. Here's where I think you should do. And um, I'm, I'm happy to share that content out, which gives them another incentive to do it. One of the things that, that I run into quite a bit, I deal with different speaking entrepreneurs that, you know, are looking, yeah. someone wrote a book, now they want to start their <laughs> career and, and, yeah. and travel the country and meet with people, meet with groups of, of people, you know, city to city, market to market type of thing. And so okay. are you, have you had experience in, okay, let's do a little three city tour and we're going to go into Houston, St. Louis and um, San Francisco. And do, do you get involved in getting audiences to show up? Is that part of what you do as part of your social media influencing? Yeah, yeah. I usually, I mean, yeah, the Adobe Summit example last week is a good example. Um, I was helping to kind of, you know, promote that event. But um, yeah, I, I do the speaking uh, as much as I possibly can. Um, you know, I'm still running a firm and I'm doing other things, but, um, and it's something I probably should break into more. Um, but yeah, I, I get um, the idea. And the other thing I do too, if, if I go into a city, no matter the city, while I'm there, I want to connect with a few people and kind of workshop things out and be able to kind of answer questions and, and talk things through with people. Because I think uh, rather than just giving a 30 minute can speech and then leaving, I'd actually like to, to you know, hear from the city, get involved, um, figure out, you know, what their unique challenges are from, you know, anywhere from like Spokane to Tulsa, um, you know, but yeah, I have my, my events that are in Seattle and Atlanta and Las Vegas and New York. And then your, your business, when you're working, like, you know, when I, I go back to the Amway discussion, do, do, you know, do, do companies come to you like Amway and say, okay, we're, we're, we're promoting a, um, a regional conference in Atlanta next, you know, uh, three weeks from now. Um, or, you know, six weeks, whatever, whatever the lead time is you're going to need. But, you know, do, do you work with companies then to kind of try to help them fill seats? Is, is that one of your business models or not? Um, a little bit, but not really. Uh, to be honest with you, it's more, um, more I'm happy to be there um, and, yeah. and, and talk and discuss. Um, and, you know, holistically, I, you know, something I'm completely capable of doing. And I think in the early going when I was trying to, um, you know, get billing as a speaker, I did it more. 
Um, now I think, um, you know, it, it all depends. It depends. Uh, I mean, if people pay my full fee, I, I just do that because I'm you know happy to do it more so yeah. than make it into a business because that as a business Kevin, is, it's more, you know, a, a few thousand here, a few thousand there. I, I tend to, you know, one of the big mistakes I, I made, cause I've been doing this now for 12 years, but I started my company six years ago. One of the biggest mistakes we, we made was thinking mostly just as a service and, and trying to create, the goal is to create PR for smaller and middle level companies that so they could level the playing field and compete with bigger companies, right? Um, you know, the people that went to big PR firms and paid 10,000 a month and just didn't see results because, you know, somebody's creating a press release and emailing it to a bunch of people and it didn't work. Um, but over time, I, uh, I started to realize where my real value is, is taking a company that is a startup and taking it from one level to another level and then letting that, you know, getting that company a lot of press and letting it sell. Cause I've got 58 publications. I can get content into at any time. And so that becomes really valuable for a startup. Great. What's with all the success you've achieved, what's your biggest challenge now? I think the biggest challenge now is we're at a level right now where we either get bought out by a big firm or we try and compete with the big firms. And so I'm strategically trying to think on, you know, and that's 75% of what I do is the PR stuff. And then 25 is just helping launch companies, right? Um, because if you've got a skill of getting media, there's a lot of elements that go into launching a company. Um, but one of those skills is, and you look at uh, examples of places like Warby Parker, where all it really took was a couple media hits and a couple articles and boom, they were off and running. Um, so kind of reproducing that. But the biggest challenge now is, you know, Going up against an Edelman or a Weber, Weber Shanwick or Finn Partners or, you know, Havas or anybody else, um, I mean, these places make $500 million to, uh, you know, billion dollars a year. They've got all the confidence in the world. You know, I have all the confidence in the world, but it's, you know, getting clients to understand that. And, you know, I've, I've done a good job of working with, you know, places like Adobe and Amway and Cision, Simply Measured, but, and Hootsuite. But the, you know, the next step is to try and, and figure out how we compete um, on that highest level. And to be honest with you, I didn't think we'd get here this fast, but I'm glad we are. And it's a good problem to have. Fantastic. So you, you've got some companies, uh, uh, kind of circling around yet, uh, with, uh, with some opportunities for you to merge into something bigger. That's, that's always an exciting time. Yeah, it's, um, it's exciting, confusing, confounding. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see where that can go, but I've always built the model. So when I built the business, um, and there's an ad agency uh, called Victors and Spoils that I think is really good. Um, yeah. And they're built on the same kind of model. You don't have employees. You have a lot of independent contractors living location agnostic all over the country. I mean, I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I, I and a lot of people are like, oh, can you come to this meeting in New York? Because they think I live in New York. And it's, because you're capable of doing everything you need to do in any spot you want to be in, you know, 30 weeks out of the year, I'm traveling anyway. So what does it matter where I live? Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's interesting to me. Uh, and their model and my model, I never hired employees because, you know, when I started this, I was 25 and I didn't want to go into um, a big company and ask for a quarter of a million dollars on a project and say, well, I'm 25 years old. I've created um, some, some cool stuff. I've won a couple of awards, but you don't have any trust in me. So what I did is I worked with people who had been in the industry for 15, 20 years. And um, you know, it's the same model. So uh, as victors and spoils, what you do is you create, instead of hiring a bunch of employees and trying to make that company fit your agency, you make your agency 
a, a one-time fit every time for every company. So you allow yourself to adapt. So if a place works with us and they really need influencer work and they need crisis comms, we've got the people for that. If they need more consumer facing PR, we've got the people for that. And partnering that way has always made me kind of feel good about that. So to be honest, we probably will wind up partnering more with big agencies than we would want to be bought out. Right. But, but you always take the meeting. That's, that's, that's my thing. If somebody, somebody asks me to be on a podcast, they ask me to do an interview, they ask me for a meeting, you always take the meeting because you never know where it goes and you never know what dot you can connect after. My last question, I'll throw it back uh, after, after that uh, to Seth, is, is do you work with, uh, someone's coming out with a new book, they're excited, they need some help, they need, you know, uh, take it to the next step. Is that in your sweet spot also? Yeah, I, um, absolutely. Uh, Dave Kirpin, Robert Herjavec, Lori Grenier. Um, I've worked with a lot of them. So yeah. it's, and it's, um, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, I, yeah. I'm, I'm in the process where I'm writing my own right now. And I've learned a lot on, on the promotion side and, you know, what to do, what, what to not to do. Um, I remember I interviewed Guy Kawasaki a couple of years ago and he's like, just don't go with a publisher. So yeah. I'm not going with a publisher. I'm doing it on my own. You mentioned some friends of mine, some sharks from Shark yeah. Tank. I was at Robert Herjavec's wedding recently. It was pretty, pretty yeah, cool. Nice. He married his girl from Dancing with the Stars. So yeah. uh, great, uh, great uh, time. So um, I appreciate uh, uh, spending some time here with you today, Jeff. Yeah, I appreciate it as well, Kevin. It's very cool. Jeff, thanks so much for being on the show. We'd love to have you back to promote the book when you're ready to launch it. Um, I appreciate that. For our followers who are watching and listening and want to learn more about how to work with you, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is barrettpr.com, B-A-R-R-E-T-T-P-R.com. That way they can kind of find me both on a you know, business level and an individual level. Um, they can check out my column in Inc. And um, I've got a podcast launching here in about a month too. So I'll have to have you guys on. Thanks so much for listening to this special productivity series of the Direct Response Marketing Podcast. I've interviewed hundreds of the most successful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and CEOs all over the world, and I want to share with you one of the biggest ways I've discovered to triple your productivity that I've learned from these amazing people. Even better, I'll pay you $500 to test drive it. Just go to takethe500challenge.com. That's www.takethe500challenge.com to learn more. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.